Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. We're in a, in a transition as a church, not just in terms of leadership succession, but we're in a transition of a culture. We're not transitioning vision. God has given us a vision. You read and proclaimed our mission and our vision statement. Parklawn exists to bring light to the world. By fulfilling the great commission, we give life. By fulfilling the great commandment, we demonstrate love. And that's really what the Lord left us here. Two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's really what that vision statement is all about. We're not changing that, but we are shifting to a new culture. Culture is defined as the way we do things. If you travel to a foreign country, it has a certain culture. It's a way of doing things. The government is uh, it's built on a certain set of principles. If you travel to a different neighborhood or a, uh, live among a certain ethnic population or cultural group, their way of doing things, their way of thinking, their style, their music, their expression, that's culture. We are in a transition to a culture of honor. And when I talk about honor, I'm talking about the weightiness of God, the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, the awe, the respect, the admiration. And the Lord is, is transitioning us to a culture of honor. And I'm not talking about uh, giving just honor to a person. That's appropriate. Because the Bible does say give honor to whom honor is due. And the Lord does not dismiss. He does not dismiss our lack of giving honor to people based upon their behavior. God expects us to give honor even to those who don't deserve it. We're not excused because of a certain person's behavior. We're, you're not excused to not honor the President of the United States. God expects us to honor. Regardless of what they say, regardless of what they do, regardless of their past, their present, he mandates that we give honor. God expects us to give honor in three dimensions, up, certainly to him, when we, when we worship, when we lift our hands, when we obey him, when we bring our tithes and our offerings, when we give God our time, our talent, we're honoring up. He expects us to worship down. He expects us to worship those who serve us. You're not exempt from 
giving honor to the person who takes your order. You're not exempt from giving honor to the county transit driver that picks you up on your bus stop and drops you off. He expects us to give honor to the yellow school bus driver. He expects us to give honor certainly to our spiritual leadership, to our elected officials, to give honor to the police. They deserve honor. And he expects us to give honor to everybody because we all bear the image of God. I'm telling you, the, the atmosphere of heaven is a culture of glory and honor. Don't, don't, don't think that you are excused from that. You're going to be very uncomfortable when you go to heaven. It's all glory and honor. It's all about giving Jesus the admiration, the respect, the awe that is due to him. And you're not practicing that as a lifestyle here. We're in a succession, a transition of that. Last week we, we, uh, we talked about how the Pharisees and the religious leaders were placing their tradition above the truth of God's word. And Jesus rebuked them and said, you got this thing wrong. It's truth over tradition. It's relationship over religious rules. And he rebuked them. He says, you're not even fulfilling the commandment of God, which says to honor your mother and your father. Because you have placed your tradition of, of securing your personal possessions and saying, I'm dedicating these to God. Therefore, I don't have to honor my mother and father when they're in need. He says, you're in violation of the commandment of God. I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine if the people of God, if this church, if the, the, the big C church of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth ever got the revelation of giving honor and glory up, down, and all around. Imagine what would happen. Because whenever we give honor, heaven invades the earth. Whenever we give glory and honor to God, he fills our praises. When we give honor to somebody else and we are acknowledging God's image in that person, God, he shows up in that place. Can you imagine the impact when we pronounce the benediction upon a people and we leave this place and everybody is, is determined in their heart to live a lifestyle of giving honor up, down, and all around. Everywhere we go, heaven will invade that place. Can you imagine what a marriage would look like, Esther? And I know you already are there where your husband is honoring his wife, as 1 Peter 3 says. That is a home and a marriage in which his prayers are ascending to heaven. They're not hindered. Because it says, give honor to your wife as a weaker vessel. Can you imagine a, a, a workplace where the, the boss or the employer is giving honor even to the employees? And the employees are not talking behind the, the boss's back, but they're giving honor as well. Can you imagine heaven in that place? Honor is not something that we, it's not an idea. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice. And whenever we give honor, heaven invades that place. The message this morning, this is part two of this culture of honor, is, is entitled lip service because that's what Jesus told the Pharisees in, Philipp, in Matthew 15. He says, because you're in violation of the command of God, he said in verse 7, he says, you're hypocrites. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. The Lord says your worship is a farce. You're simply giving him lip service. You, you are, you're operating not in the spirit of God, but in the spirit of Millie Vanilli. Some of you all are old enough in 1988 to remember Millie Vanilli. Just Google it, young folks. Who is that? Just Google it. 1988, they were a pop group. They shot to superstardom with their release album, Girl, You Know It's True. They had three chart-topping singles from that one album. The following year, they got a Grammy Award for the Best New Artist. They skyrocketed celebrity status. But in one of their concerts, some concert goers who were close enough to the stage and who could see behind stage while Millie Vanilli were up there dancing and holding the microphones, they looked in the background and they could see two men singing for them and said, these men are farces. They're hypocrites. They're not singing at all. They're lip syncing. They're giving lip service. They're up there with the motions, but there's no words coming out of their mouth. In the same way God says to his people, you're simply giving me lip service. You're honoring me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Honor is not only a command. We're commanded to love God, commanded to love mother and father, commanded to honor our, our spouses, commanded to honor one another, commanded to honor up, down, all around. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, this is, this is a, a Peter's uh, revelation of honor. The New King James Version in chapter 2, 1 Peter 2 and 12, verse 12, he says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. He's talking to a Jewish people that have been scattered abroad, a church that have been scattered from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost part of the world. They're being persecuted, and then now they're in the midst of a Gentile. God brought them out of their comfort zone, out into the marketplace, and he says, your conduct, it must be honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let me just uh, say something right here that everybody that has lied on you and, uh, and it all may not have been a lie. Some of it might have been, you know, true, right? My encouragement is outlive it, <laughs> right? Outlive it. I remember you when you did that. Okay, that's the picture in your mind. I'm going to have to outlive that. <laughs> I'm going to have to make sure that my conduct is honorable, <laughs> So by the, by the end of my life, you'll say, you know what? I remember what they said about him, but I never saw him do that. He outlived that thing. He says in verse 13, this is another aspect of honor. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Every ordinance of man. Speed limit. Uh, every ordinance of man. Right? When they ask you, just please take two napkins. Don't get a handful of napkins. Please don't bring your dog in the hotel. Every ordinance of man. Right? 
please show up on time for work so we can give you your check for 40 hours, not 38 hours and 50 minutes because you clocked in as if you were there on time. But you, every ordinance of man, submit yourself. That's honorable. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. We're required to submit to God to submit, in their case, to the emperor, even though the emperor was an ungodly man, God expected them to submit and honor him to Nero, Caesar, whoever it was, or whoever his, his delegates were, his governors. Verse 15, he says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Listen to verse 17. This is the key. He says, honor all people. <laughs> honor all around. All people. But I don't like them. They don't like me. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. There's some folks in church this morning that's just hard to love. Love the brotherhood. Honor all people. Fear God, that's reverence, that's awe, that's respect, that's honor. That's honor up and honor the king, the emperor. So honor is not only a command, it is a currency. It's a currency. Y'all know what currency is. Money, greenbacks, silver, right, copper. It, it's a way that we transact business. Honor brings blessing into your life. Honor adds years and satisfaction to your life. When you honor your mother and father, it's not only a command, it's a currency. God says when you give that honor, the transaction that will take place is that your life will be long, not just quantity, but quality. It'll go well. It'll be a satisfying life. When you give honor to whomever, God uses that honor as a medium to bring blessing into your life. When we worship him and we show God honor, God brings his presence into your life. But if you are dishonoring, the bank is closed. You cannot make a withdrawal. It's a currency. My wife and I, in preparation for this message, we were discussing all of the, the many subjects and examples of honor in the Bible. Numerous stories of people who chose honor. Honor is a choice, by the way. It's a choice. You get to choose whether you're going to give honor or not. You get to choose whether you're going to participate in God's economy and, and honor is the currency to get you there or not. Yeah, I, I, we thought we talked about Abraham, how Abraham, the, the elder man who God had given a word of revelation, a blessing to, he came to his nephew Lot, the younger man. The older man came to the younger and said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to honor you by giving you first choice. Which land do you want to dwell in? If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Now, it should have been Lot saying, no, you no, know, no, I won't take that honor from you. You're the older, wherever you choose. That's a lesson for younger folks today. Because so many younger folks and, and millennials and, and, and young, anointed, gifted folks feel like they don't owe any honor to the older generation. And Lot dishonored his uncle Abraham by choosing the land he thought in his own sight which was good and he ended up pitching his tent toward Sodom and it wasn't long that he was living in Sodom whenever you dishonor you will always end up in a place like Sodom 
the story of Sodom is not a good ending. And, and the end of Lot, that was the beginning of his dishonor. The end of, by the time we get to the end of Lot's life, his wife turns into a pillar of salt. He dishonors his daughters by offering them up to, you know, uh, uh, perverted men who really wanted to sleep with the angels. And Lot said, no, don't sleep with these men. They're guests in my house. Take my daughters. Oh, my God, what kind of honor is that to your daughters? And so he went on to reap that. Now his daughters get him drunk. End up fathering children through their own father. You shut the heavens up when you dishonor. Joseph's brothers dishonored him by selling him into slavery. Instead of honoring him and blessing and encouraging his dreams. When Joseph came and told his brother that brothers his dream, they had a choice. Because honor is a choice. They could have said, you know what? I don't fully understand it, but you know what? If you say God has spoken to you, I'm just going to take your word for it, and I just believe that God's going to bring it to pass. Little brother, go ahead and keep dreaming, man. But no, they dishonored him. They dishonored his dreams. They sold him into slavery. And the very brothers who dishonored him ended up bowing down before him, asking for bread. Over and over, the stories of, of, of people who have chosen to operate in honor. The Lord says, I set before you blessing and cursing. Choose blessing. Honor is the way to blessing. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Honor is the way to life. Honor is the way to elevation, the way to promotion. It's a currency that cashes out in heaven and on the earth. And Jesus, oh, I love that man. I want to be like him. Honor was the lifestyle of Jesus. Not just the Jesus that we met on the earth, but Jesus in heaven. Because even before he... As Philippians 2 tells us, although he was in the form of God, he didn't think it robbery to be equal to God. In heaven, he's got the glory. The, the second person of the triune God is on Jesus. And even though he's in the form of God, he still honored his father. The heart and will of his father was to redeem creation that had been separated and lost from, from the glory and honor that he placed upon them. And Jesus says, Father, I'll honor you. Just prepare a body for me. I'll go and I'll die. And Philippians tells us that the reward of his honor is that he was given a name above every other name. That the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. Where? Up, down, and all around. In heaven, on the earth, and even beneath the earth. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he honored the lowly shepherds. Talk about honor down. Who were the first to, to receive the herald of the birth? It was the shepherds, the lowest job on the face of the earth in the Jewish mindset. He honored his mother even while he's hanging on the cross. He tells his, his favorite friend, John, the beloved one, behold your mother, take care of her. Talk about honor mother and father. Everyone deserves honor because we all have been made in the image of God. And I love Jesus because he lived that life of honor. He even, he even honored people that he corrected. He even honored people that he disagreed with. Did he, did he agree with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes all the time? No, he didn't. But he honored them. He even said, before he rebuked them, he said, you know, you guys are, you're good. You keep the law to the letter. You tithe, not only money, but you even separate your spices and your herbs. You give God a tenth of those. 
but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. He honored those that he disagreed with. He honored those that he corrected. He, honored, he, he even honored children, the ones that the disciples said, send them away. He said, no, let them come to me. He blessed them. I love the way that he honored women. He honored the woman at the well. And honor will overcome racial barriers. You know the story in John 4. He overcame the racial and the cultural barriers between the Jews and the Samaritans. How? By honor, by dignifying her humanity, by asking her to give him something. When we, when we ask people to give us something that they have, instead of, no, you keep yours here, you take mine, mine is better, we dishonor them. Give me a drink, he said. And then when he got to the place of correction, and this is a lesson for us, this is how Jesus dealt with confrontation. He did it in a way of honor. He asked questions. He always asked questions. He, when he, when he, when he was, was confronting Adam and Eve, and he did that in honor. Adam, where are you? Adam, what have you done? Adam, who told you you was naked? Adam, have you eaten the fruit that I told you not to? What, is, what, is, what does that do? When somebody has, has violated a, a rule, or somebody has, has fallen from grace... The way to restore them is through honor. That's what Galatians 6 says. You who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also fall. Not, not feeling like I'll never do that <laughs> and looking down at them, but doing it in a position of honor. So, so he, he restored Adam and Eve that way. He restored David that way. He said, David, you got three choices. Which one do you want? said, this is what I'm going to give you. I told you not to. No, which one do you want? That's, that's dignity. That's, that's speaking to the humanity. Because the purpose of confrontation, catch this. The purpose of confrontation with Jesus is always to restore the identity of the honor of God that's on our life. For Psalms 8 says that he has crowned us with glory and honor. And when we turn our back on God, we put a covering over the glory and the crown of honor that he's put on us. And he always seeks to restore us to bring that back to the surface. That's why he told the woman at the well, where's your husband? <laughs> I don't have a husband. Oh, that's right. You've had five of them. And you're with a fellow now. And he's not your husband. He wants to restore us back to our place of honor. Because sin comes and shame comes and sin robs us of our identity. When shame is present in our lives, we feel worthless. We feel like, I don't even want to come to church. I don't want to pray. I don't want to have anything to do with God. The shame is so heavy on you because it's robbed you of your identity. Shame is not from God. Conviction comes from God. He says in Isaiah, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. He wants to restore. He wants to put your crown back straight on your head. Let me give you a definition of grace. Grace is the manifestation of the kingdom on the earth. Grace is the manifestation of the kingdom of God on the earth. The, one of the reasons that Jesus came and, and John Chapter 1 tells us this, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus came in the person of grace. He's the manifestation of the kingdom of God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Grace not only heals us and covers us from our sins, but grace launches us into our destiny. Everyone that he restored, he was not only like the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. She was guilty. But he asked her a question. Where are your accusers? <laughs> no one, Lord. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Grace covers us of, of, of our sins, but it also releases us into our divine destiny. It calls us back to a place of honor. Let me get to the, to the message that God really put upon my heart today. In this, in this season of transitioning to a culture of honor. A few days ago in my prayer time, I felt the Lord say to me, he said, my church has been giving me lip service. It's a culture of lip service. They're like Milli Vanilli. They, they stand, they sing, they clap, they, they praise they pray, they dance, but it's mere lip service. Their hearts are not in the same place. He said that my church has excelled by giving out the honor of titles and even putting honor in their testimonies. And those of you all that have had any experience in a church that is predominantly black, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to testimony time. Because we give honor to God, who's the head of our life. Jesus Christ's dear son, the sweet and precious Holy Spirit. I give honor to my bishop and my first lady. I give honor to the pastors, the elders, the deacons, the ministers, the saints and friends. And then we go on and testify, right? We, we excel at giving honor in our testimony. We excel at giving honor in our titles. We'll give you a title in a minute. You ain't never gone to school in your life, but you can be doc. Doc, how you doing, Doc? He ain't got no PhD, no MD, no LLD, no ED. Nothing. Just, but he, we gave him a title. Bishop, pastor, elder. It, it is rare in most African-American culture. I'm talking about culture. It's rare in the African-American culture that an adult is simply called by their first name. When they serve in a, in a leadership capacity, right? Officer. This is officer. Uh, Mom and daddy used to introduce us to their friends, right? And you better put a Mr. or Mrs. in, they, in front of their name. You better not call them by their first name. Hi, Miss Sally. How you doing? You talk about Sally. You just pow. You just... They would just reflex, just knock you into tomorrow. What you mean, Sally? That's Miss Sally. You better put some respect behind her name, right? Honor. We're good at that. You never, in, in most uh, African-American uh, church cu cultures, hear them call the pastor by their first name. Now, you know, I've been to some, I preach all over the, the world, and I, I've been to some churches where, you know, that's Jim. Oh, I thought he was a pastor. Yeah, that's Jim. <laughs> hey, Jim. How's Mary doing? You go to a black church. That's, that's Pastor Jim. And this is First Lady so-and-so, right? We're good at titles. We put honor in our titles. 
But the Lord said you are giving lip service by simply giving titles and testimonies. But where is the honor that is required in your tithe? There must be some honor in our tithes. Whenever we just give God lip service with the honor, we just get a partial revelation of his glory. Because remember I said honor and glory causes heaven to invade earth. The atmosphere of heaven is an atmosphere of honor and glory, right? We, we worship this morning, holy, holy, holy. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Come on, when you get to heaven, it's not going to be about you. It's all about Jesus. It's an atmosphere of heaven. It, it, it's an atmosphere of glory. And, and, and everybody who's there has to be on that accord. If you're not, you're getting kicked out, right? Don't believe me? Ask Lucifer. Because God won't share his glory with anybody, but he'll give you honor. And when you get the honor and you got a title and you got some degrees and you got some gifts and you, you're being given an award, you better make sure that in your private time or when you get an opportunity, you give the glory back to God for the honor. Amen. It's the atmosphere of heaven. Heaven invades the earth. But when you give God lip service and you only give him partial honor with your titles and with your testimonies, God says you just get a partial glory. You get, you get what, what mom and them used to do because that's all they could afford. They would get our stuff on layaway. They didn't have all the money to go and buy the tennis shoes. But I'm going to get those shoes for you, son. And whenever we went to the store, y'all still got my shoes back there? And they would pull them out. Yeah, they here. We need a little bit more glory before you can get them, though. Some currency. And that's what we get, a partial glory. Instead of the full manifestation of God. The word glory in the Hebrew is the word kabod, which means to be heavy, to be weighty. To be burdensome, to, to, have a, to have a heaviness to it. And unfortunately, when we lack an awareness of the command and the currency of giving honor and glory, we end up very light. We have a, we have a lot of shouting going on, but there ain't no clout in our shout. There's no weightiness. There's no, there's no heaviness. It doesn't come full circle. You got that layaway glory instead of that paid in full glory. So I want to tell you about, to illustrate this, I want to tell you about Jacob in the Bible. Jacob, he's, he's, he's called uh, Israel. The Lord changes his name at the end of, of his conversion. But Jacob lived a life of honor. Now his name means deceiver. That has nothing to do with the life he lived of honor. Because the reason he got the name Jacob, which means deceiver, is he was a twin he was the second child that came out after his brother Esau, born at the same time. But when Esau, the firstborn, came out, Jacob came out holding his heel. It was indicative of the, of the competition that Jacob would have, the destiny that would be on Jacob's life that I'm going to grab to be first. I'm going to grab for the best. I'm going to grab for the glory. And the Bible tells us that and shows us throughout their life that Esau lived a life of dishonor, while Jacob lived a life of honor. 
Esau, just, he lived for the carnal, for the fleshly. In Hebrews 13, it tells us that, that we need to be, be aware of, of a lifestyle like Esau, who despised his birthright, who lived a carnal flesh. It's all about his flesh, all about what he could receive instead of about what he could give. In Malachi chapter 1, this is what the Lord says about these two brothers. In verse 1, Malachi, who's the prophet, receives the burden of the word of the Lord. The, what, let me just stop by verse 1. When God gives us a, a word, it's a burden. It's, it's like a baby that has to be delivered. Everybody who's been pregnant or is pregnant, you know what I'm talking about, carrying a burden. That's, that's what a, a, a person of... Of, of God, man, a woman of God who has a word from the Lord, they're pregnant, they're carrying a burden. And Malachi carried a burden. He delivered this word to the people of Israel. And he says in verse 2, this is what the Lord says, I have loved you. And yet you say, in what way have you loved us? And this is how God answers. He says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. The Lord himself he chooses because honor is a choice. God himself chooses who to honor. He says, I've chosen to honor Jacob. I love Jacob. I hate Esau. I know that sounds harsh for somebody. That's not the God that we know. I thought he loved everybody. Yeah, he loved you, but he don't honor everybody. You're honored by being made in his image, but it's your choice what you do with the glory that he put upon you. You get a choice of how you're going to reciprocate that back to God. And Esau despised his honor. He despised his birthright. He sold his birthright for a bowl of red soup to his brother. He didn't care anything about the honor that God had given him of being the firstborn. He didn't care anything about the plan that God had of bringing a nation more numerous than the stars in the heaven, the sands on the sea through him. I don't care anything about that. All I care is that I'm hungry right now. God says, I hate him. I can't honor him, but I can honor Jacob. He's a deceiver. I know he ain't totally right, but this boy will go hard after the things of God. I love that about him. And so Esau was cursed because he did not live this life of honor. And the story in, in uh, Genesis 27, you don't have to turn there, is that when Isaac, their father, was getting old and it was time for him to lay hands and give the blessing of the birthright of the firstborn, his mother, uh, uh, Jacob and Esau's mother, Rebekah, knew that, and she knew that Esau would just dishonor the blessing. So she told Jacob, you've got to go in there and you've got to get the blessing. He said, well, how am I going to get the blessing? It's, it belongs to Esau. He says, listen, we're going to ask for forgiveness later, right? But right now, what... <laughs> Right? Some of us do that, right? We don't ask for permission first. We ask for, I'm going to get forgiveness later, right? I'm just going to do this. So what are we going to do? We're going to honor God. I want you to go and put some of your brother's clothes on. And I'm going to kill an animal and I'm going to cook it. And make it taste just like the food that he cooks for your father. Because your father loves the, the food that he makes. And I'm going to take the skin of the animal and I'm going to wrap it around your arms so you feel like him. You smell like him. Can't do nothing about your voice because it is what it is. You know, Jacob probably, hey, Dad, hey. Yeah. Hey, I'm Esau. I'm Jacob. Can't do nothing about that. And while your brother is out there trying to catch and kill and cook some food for your father, I want you to go in 
Give him the food, and I want you to receive the blessing of the firstborn. Because the honor has got to be carried on. We can't afford to have the bank closed because your brother does not know how to walk in honor. And this blessing, this glory from heaven, heaven invading earth, I don't want it to stop. I want it to continue on. So you go and do this. Come on, that's a woman who's after the heart of God. And he does it. And the father says, well, you sound like Jacob, but you smell like Esau and you even feel like him and the food tastes good. So come on, let me bless you. And he lays hands on Jacob and he gives him the blessing of the firstborn. The heavens are open over his life. And it's irreversible. (laughs) Honor is irreversible. (laughs) My God. And as soon as Jacob walks out with the blessing, Esau comes in with his food. Dad, I'm here. He says, wait a minute, if you're here, who was that that just left? And Esau said, oh, man, he got me again. Surely his name was called Jacob for a reason because he is truly a deceiver. And Isaac says, well, I don't have any more blessings. I can only do it one time. And Esau is heartbroken and he's angry and says, I'm going to kill my brother as soon as my daddy dies. And Rebecca gets wind that that uh, his, her younger son, his life is in danger. She says, son, this is what I want you to do. You have to obey me in this. You have to obey me. In other words, Jacob, another choice for you. Honor your mother and father. Leave and go and live with my brother Laban. Make sure that you don't marry a Canaanite woman. Because God's plan and promise is not going to come through them first. And Jacob honors his mother and father and he leaves. Now, I know some of us, we're grown. We ain't got to do what nobody tells us to do. We live this independent life. We rebellious. We can do what we want to do. But Jacob says, you know what? Mom and dad said that. I'm going to honor them. <laughs> How many of y'all know this blessing? Your mom and daddy been around for a while. They, they might just know who God have for you and who he don't. Ain't nobody going to pick my man and pick my wife for me. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead with your bad self. Old folks used to say, you got to have to find out for yourself that fat meat is greasy. Anybody ever heard that? Fat meat is greasy. You don't believe me? Okay, just go ahead. You're going to find out for your Charles. You know about that, right? We used to hear that all the time. Okay. We get our butt whooped. Okay, yeah, fat meat is greasy. Okay, daddy, you was right. <laughs> That's a cultural thing. I'll have to fill y'all in later. So Esau, the one who walked in dishonor, he found out that his mother and father despised the Canaanite women. And you know what he did? He went out and married a couple of them. I'm just going to totally dishonor my mom and dad. I don't care what, they don't have no rule over my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. heavens remain closed over his life he lived in conflict all his generations live in conflict but this is the point that I want to get at about Jacob now Jacob is on his way to his father-in-law's house he's honored God throughout his life he pursued the birthright blessing he pursued the blessing of the firstborn he honored his mother and father up down all around and while he's on his way in Genesis 28 in verse 10 Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went towards Haran and he came to a certain place. He stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place 
he put it on his he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep and then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set on the earth and its top reached to the heaven and there the angel of God were ascending and descending on it and behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac the land on which you lie I will give it to you and your descendants talk about an open heaven blessing imagine if if we as a people began to walk in honor, the heavens would be open over our lives. Every place that you walk, God says, I'm giving that to you. I, I might just walk around this block a couple times tomorrow. Because God says, I'm going to give it to you. Because you have captured this revelation of glory and honor. That's what the Lord told Jacob. I'm giving you the land that you are laying on to you and to your descendants. And your descendants, verse 14, shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. That's protection. I will bring you back to the land. That's promise. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. That's presence. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Whoo! Lord, I thank you for a church. It's called Park Lawn, but this, this church is a city gate right now. It's a city gate. It's a city gate in this region. It's a city gate in this city. It's a city gate in this state. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 18, Jacob, Jacob arose early in the morning. He took the stone that had been put at his head. He set it as a pillar. He poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the city had been called Luz previously. Mm. <laughs> Don't miss this. This is how honor continues to, to flow. Then Jacob made a vow. Was it lip service? Because that's what we do. We make vows. <laughs> we sing. Is it just lip service? No, Jacob said, if God be with me, presence. And keep me in this way that I'm going, protection. And give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, provision. So that I come back to my father's house in peace, peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely put it on layaway back to you. He says, no, I'm not just giving you titles. I'm not just giving you testimonies. I'm giving you a tithe of all that you give to me, Lord. I'm not going to give you lip service. I'm not just going to honor you with my lips and my heart be far from you. The Lord challenges us and gives us a choice to demonstrate our honor to him by what we do with our resources. What do you do with your resources? That's God's test to you. He says, let me go to Malachi. In Malachi, in chapter 1, we, we were starting there, but I want to go to verse 6. He says, this is how a son honors his father. He says, a son honors his father and a servant honors his master. If I then am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? 
to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible? And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is this not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor because now he's calling us back to honor and glory. That he may be gracious to you. In, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, he again calls us back to honor and glory. He says, will a man rob God, but yet you have robbed me. But in what way have we robbed you? The Lord says in tithes and in offerings. You're cursed with a curse. You've made a choice. Every time you get income, you have a, you have a choice to make. Am I going to honor God by giving him the first before I write any checks? other than what's automatically been deducted, because you know some stuff comes out automatically, the first check I wrote or the first online gift that I make is going to be my tithe to demonstrate my honor to God. You have a choice. Choose blessing. Choose life. He says, you've robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, this is the way you restore the glory and the honor. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. That sounds like Jacob's life. The windows of heaven being opened, the angels of God ascending and descending, the Lord himself standing at the top saying, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm your God. I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to give you presence. I'm going to give you protection. I'm going to give you promise. I'm going to give you pardon. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you priority. I'm going to give you prophetic words. I'm going to give you everything that you need. And if that's not enough, you won't even have room enough to receive it. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Heartline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.